And we're talking about these themes of the kingdom of God that on paper sound great, but in reality, they're just kind of pie in the sky. They're kind of dreams, right? They're, they're things that, that we love, that we care about, but in reality, they're not practical. They're just not real. But yet, we know as followers of Jesus, we're called to pursue these things. And so, this week, we want to talk about one of them, and it's called the word Catholic. Have you ever heard the word Catholic before? Okay. Who's Catholic? Amen. We got, amen. We got, we got three hands. Beautiful. I'm glad you guys are comfortable enough to raise your hands in, you know, in this chair. That's great. Would you like to know something? Do you know that Grace Church is Catholic? Did you know that? And then yeah, everyone starts gathering their stuff. We're leaving. Get the kids, honey. I'll start the car. Now, the word Catholic, let me explain what the word Catholic means. The word Catholic, it means this. It means including a wide variety of things, all embracing. Including a wide variety of things, all embracing. Okay? The idea is this. The, the early church used to have issues. They had a problem because, see, once Jesus died, he handed off the ministry to his apostles. Now, when the apostles were alive, it was simple. If there's any question about what is Christian, what is really following Jesus, we would just ask the people who are with Jesus. Well, you know, Apostle Paul, well, of course he wasn't, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, you know, Apostle Peter, is this right? Is this Christian? Well, yes, it is. Jesus would say this. But something happened. When the apostles died, who do we ask now? Who gets to determine what is Christian and what is not Christian? Who gets to say what is good and what is not good? And the problem was this. Once the apostles died, all these other people wanted to stand up and say, well, I'm the one who gets to determine what is Christian and what isn't. And so you had all these groups that began to spread from Jerusalem out, and they're all doing these completely different things. You had these Christians who believed that being a Christian was all about prophecy, and so like, they would lock themselves away, and they had these prophecies. Next, they believed the Spirit of God had filled this little girl, and this was Jesus incarnate again. What? Well, interesting. And then, the, and then over here, you had these Christians over here who claimed to be followers of Jesus, but they didn't believe that Jesus really came as a human. They believed Jesus was a hologram. That is sweet, by the way. That is some awesome theology for like way back. I mean, come on. Never even seen Star Wars yet. But they believed Jesus was a hologram. That is terrific. Anyways. And so, again, you're, the, if you would, the circle of people claiming to be Christian started to expand, and the ideas of what was Christian was constantly expanding. Well, you say, well, that's a long time ago. What does that have to do with now? Well, let's talk about now. I have some pictures for you guys. I have a question for you first, okay? What does Christian worship look like? How about this image right here? Would you say this is Christian worship? Hymnals. Who grew up with hymnals? Okay. Would you say that singing songs to Jesus with hymnals is Christian? Sure, okay. How about this one? Ooh, got the music, we got the smoke machines going, got the fog, we got the LED lights going, we had a nice kind of cut-off crew neck, you know, he's sweating just a little bit to look all nice and attractive, right? Uh, but he's singing passionate. Oh, he's playing the guitar. Would you call this Christian worship? Okay. How about this? How about what if... I told you that Christian worship was meditation. Ooh, is that Christian? That sounds Buddhist. I think it was eat. Or how about this? What about woodworking? If I told you that, it, you know, that there are people who worship by carving things into wood, would you say that that is worship? I see one head, one. How about this? 
How about painting a picture? Would you say that painting a picture could be worship? Are you noticing how this is now starting to expand? Is it possible for jogging to be worship? Well, this is just ludicrous now. Now you're saying everything is worship. The question is, how do we figure out what, what is Christian worship and what isn't? How about this? Okay, so um, what is a church? What, what does a Christian church look like? How about this one? Is this a Christian church? Oh, oh, whoa, okay, oh, come on now. Come on, brother. He cheated me. All right, this is what we call a home church, correct? The idea is this. It's not about the building, right? It's just about gathering in the name of Christ. Amen, right? So in the same space that we watch our movies, same space that we wrestle with the kids, in the same space that we fight with our spouses, this is what we call church, Correct? You guys are, ooh, I'm not sure if I like the way you just phrased that one right there. All right, now the next picture. If that is what a Christian church looks like, then what is this other thing? What, what kind of a monstrosity is this? Is this a Christian church? I was so tempted to spend hours the other night finding images. I mean, we could have had so much fun, but I, I'm lazy, so we didn't do that. Um, but obviously, <laughs> again, if this is Christian church, but this is Christian church, how are they the... Same. Okay. How about this one for fun? What does a Christian leader look like? What does a pastor look like? Let's go ahead with this. Here's an Eastern Orthodox Christian leader. Amen? You guys are silent. Absolutely silent. Okay, so what I should have done was actually warn this this Sunday. I just came out here and be like, good morning. <laughs> you know, that would have been great. In the presence of God. <laughs> that would have been beautiful. I would have a lot of fun with that. Actually, I should do that. Now, again, th there are millions, one of the largest groups of Christians on the planet, the Eastern Orthodox Church. This is what a Christian leader looks like. Now, to this, the third largest Christian group. Let's go to this next one. The third largest Christian group on the earth says this is the same thing. This is that. Tattoos, facial hair. Well, he ain't quite the same facial hair as the other guy, right? Uh, some cleavage going on. This is, a, this is a Christian leader, and this one. It's not like five people think this one is. We're talking millions of Christians say this is a Christian leader, and millions of Christians say this is a Christian leader. How in the world are they the same? Now, here's something interesting. If I were to tell you to go to a Sikh temple right now in Fort Smith, which there is one, and then I told you to go to a Sikh temple in, you know, say, in Africa, okay, and then to go to one in Asia, you would not see the kind of variance that I just showed you. You would see similarities. Now, if I told you to go to, um, uh, to oh my goodness, what is it called, um, to the, the Catholic Church in Fort Smith, to IC. Okay, if you walked into IC in Fort Smith and you went to their mass right now, and then I sent you to mass in Italy, okay, in Rome, guess what? You would see the exact same clothes, the exact same procedures, the same ceremony. You would hear the same verses, the same prayers, the same songs. It would be identical. It would be coherent. What's interesting is this. Um, I heard this the other day in class in Saudi Arabia when, when um. Muhammad was first exposed to Christianity. He was intrigued. 
And the more that he began to learn about Christianity, he found one flaw he did not like about it. He, he said, Christianity is too disjointed. It's not uniform. Because, see, just in that one nation, he was exposed to four different forms of Christianity. He said, how can this be Christian, and this be Christian, and this, and this, and none of it looks alike? How about this one? You could come to church here, your first experience. You've never been around a Christian. You've never been to a church before. You can come to church here, and then I could send, I could send you to three other churches in this small town. And if you had never experienced Christianity, you, you, you would walk back to me and say, Okay, so if this church was Christian, what was this one? And like, what was this? And what was this? Because they were nothing alike. So here's the question. How do we know what is Christian and what is not? Who gets to say that? Who gets to decide, you know what, this is following Jesus and this is not? Because we have a problem. Well, you know what? See, I grew up with hymnals, and we sing from hymnals. And this is the Christian thing to do. Well, the problem here is, how do you know that? Well, I know Jesus didn't do it, but it's Christian. Well, I grew up in churches where we had the acoustic guitar, and it was all about that acoustic guitar, man. And we would get emotional, and I mean, like, you know, we hit that chorus, and we'd all sing that chorus, and you could just, you know, feels, right? Feels, you know what I'm talking about? You could just feel it, you know? Oh, God is here. That was a good song. Oh, that next song kind of stunk. God left. He, he went home. <laughs> it's okay, though. But how, okay, so which, which, which is it? Now, see, this problem, as I shared first, is an ancient problem. See, the first church had the same issue. So what they first did was this. They had each city, all the leaders would get together, and they would create a creed or a statement. And it would say, in this city, in Alma, Arkansas, all the pastors agree that this is what Christianity looks like. If me and all the pastors in Alma had to get together and agree on a statement, I, <laughs> Jesus is real. <laughs> yes, it would take a miracle, absolutely. But this is what they did. And so what happened was they would all had to make these statements because there were so many ideas, so much was moving. And so the concept was this, what is orthodox? What is inside the circle of Jesus? Okay, if you draw this line, if it's inside this, we call it orthodox. It's Christian. If it's outside, we call it heresy, heretical, to miss the mark. You are now on the outside of what is Jesus, okay? And so what happened was this, it was in this time, <clears throat> who has an actual Bible? Like, like, I'm not, like, not like a phone. Would you, would you raise it up? Okay. Would you like to know why you have that? Because Christians fight. That's why you have a Bible. Do you know that? Do you know it took over 300 years for them to form that Bible that you have? The only reason you're holding a Bible is because they all had their own verses, and they all had their own books, they all had their own authors, and none of them agreed. And so they all had to say, no, 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 no. We have to have one book. And so they got together and argued over it. Did you know the reason that we have four Gospels, okay, when you read the four Gospels, if you notice, not all of them are the same. Some of them are different. See, each city would pick a Gospel that fit them the most. See, the Gospel of Luke, it, 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 it talks about the issues of the poor and the oppressed. So a city that was poor would adopt the Gospel of Luke, and they would read it to their people over and over and over again. A city that had you know, a lot of Jews in it would adopt Mark, and they would read Mark over and over but we had to figure out how do we define the circle? 
And so there became this creed that rose out from all the rest of them. It's called the Apostles' Creed. Have you guys ever heard the Apostles' Creed before? It was actually the Creed of Rome is what it was. All the church leaders in Rome, they gathered together, and they created the Apostles' Creed. It was a statement of what is inside the circle and what is outside the circle. Oh, man, had a karate kid moment there. Saka! Okay, I'm sorry. Sign the circle. I apologize. It's there. I had to go there. Okay. And so the Apostles' Creed became this thing, and now the Apostles' Creed is now the most widely accepted circle of what is Christian. Now, I don't want to read the whole thing to you, but there's a line I want to read to you. This confession is read by thousands of churches across the globe every single Sunday because it is to keep us reminded of what's in and what's out and who gets to define it. One of the last lines, it says this, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Did you hear that second line? We believe in the holy what? Catholic Church. Grace Church is a Catholic church. Did you know that? Lower KC. Okay, I was a staff meeting. I was corrected, and I submit to you, you're both right. Lower KC is a lowercase, the Catholic church, the concept that there is one church of Jesus, but inside of it is there are differences. There is one church where Jesus Lord, and everything inside of it can differ. There are all these different expressions of God. Think of it like a vine, right? There is this main shoot, which is Christ's work on the earth, and off of it are all these little vines that begin to spread out, and there's fruit, and there's all these amazing things that come from it, and bad things, but that spreads out from the from the main branch, and it just spreads out. These are all the different expressions, the Methodist expression, the Eastern Orthodox expression, the Charismatic, the Baptist expression, the Catholic expression. There are all these different branches from the work of Jesus on the earth, but if it's attached to the branch, it is part of the work of God. Now, this is a little bit of a testing thing for all of us in this room. We started this morning with uh, the verse from Ephesians. And the reason that the verse from Ephesians was written was because they're having differences inside the churches. Again, who is it who has the right form of, of, of following Jesus? I guarantee you this morning that there are not many pastors in this city who think they are wrong about the form of Jesus they're preaching. Okay, if you are a pastor, you're born to think you're right. Okay, <laughs> and there are not many of us preaching this morning who think that the other one's preaching way better than they are. Come on, that's funny. It's honest funny, at least. All right, we all are convinced that the expression of Jesus we have encountered is the authentic one. But here's the question. What if all of them are authentic? What if Jesus can be found in all of these different expressions? What if worship can be with hymnals? What if worship can be in silence? What if I can encounter God with the music and the rhythms and the beats? What if I can you know, encounter God in the silence? What if Jesus is outside of just one expression? See here at Grace, this is one of the core things of who we are. This, this series is, is an, an excuse for me to explain to you who we are and why we're a little bit different. When you come to Grace, there's two things which are going to be true. There's going to be at least something in our service which is familiar for you. Okay, it's comfortable. And I promise you there's going to be something in a service that's different. That's unfamiliar. That's a little bit uncomfortable. I don't know how I feel about that. Sometimes when people come in here and it's their first experience with, with you know, worship with, 
you know, the instruments and with the noise. And it's a little bit louder, a little bit more than what they're used to. Sometimes people have never been to a church where, the, where it's called Eucharist. What is Eucharist? I've never heard of this thing. <laughs> Come on, guy. Here, we're about to go into the Lent season. There are people who will come to grace who have never experienced the season of Lent. They don't have any concept what it is. And we do something with things that are new to us. We're humans. We have a habit. The habit is this. We tend to fear the things that we do not understand. We fear things we do not understand. And then things that we fear, we fight. Did you get that? If we don't understand it, we fear it. We're just a little bit suspicious of it. And if we're suspicious, if we fear it, we're prone to get defensive and we're ready to fight that thing. The reason that Christianity is both beautiful and sick at the same time is that we don't know how to handle our differences. Our differences are what make Christianity unique and beautiful, is that you can have all these different manifestations of following the same God, the same the same person of God. But what is dangerous about that is that we don't know how to embrace differences. All we know how to do is, if I don't understand it, then I'm going to keep distance from it. And if it keeps bothering me, I'm going to attack that thing because I don't know what to do with things I fear besides attack them. Because there's no way that God's over there at First Baptist and here at the same time. There's no way that God is over there with the Catholics and here at the same time. There's no way that they can have a genuine, authentic experience with God and it looks completely different than my genuine, authentic experience with God. There's no way. What do we do with that? Who here has ever been uh, flying before? Actually, how about this one? Who here is a foodie? Come on now, suckers. All right, foodies. Do not shake your head. You are too a foodie. Don't even shake your head at me. Okay, if you're a foodie, you love food. Okay. You had a moment in life where the things your parents made you were good. You know, you probably had a favorite dish your mom made. Oh, I'm so excited for pizza night. Awesome. But if you're a foodie, there was a day when you were introduced to a new world. The first time you had Thai food. Tiramisu. I could go on and on, but then you guys will leave early, okay? But you get the idea. The first time you realize, yes, I love mac and cheese. Mac, I always want to have mac and cheese in my life. But, ooh, I want that too. And that, and that. And you know what? I still love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Still love them. I still have them in my life because I enjoy that. But I have found things so beyond a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I'm so glad that I found those things. See, what you don't get is this. You experience God. You can experience God in any of these different forms of approaching Jesus. As long as this is inside Christ and the work of Christ on earth, the word for that is, you know, orthodox, but as long as we are pursuing Jesus, we can have the ability to experience all of this richness of who he is. The first challenge for us when it comes to this concept, is we have to be willing to acknowledge, be willing to see that God is at work and God can be found outside of the places I have personally experienced Him. Do you hear me? Your personal experience is not enough to say that God is not outside of what you've experienced Him in. 
You can come to me all day and say, pizza is the best food in the world. And it might be. But until you try the foods of the world, you do not know. Yes, hot dogs are terrific. I understand this. My son, Liam, I, I probably shouldn't say this. He's called DHS on us or something. He eats at least like two PPJs every day. I guarantee you it's healthy, I promise, okay? But he, he insists. He, I mean, we can offer him any restaurant. It does not matter. He will throw it. I don't want it. I don't want to get pizza. I don't want burgers. I don't want it, you know, Italian. I want PBJ. That's what he wants. That's his, what? Butter jellies or whatever he says. Goodness gracious, that kid. He wants his peanut butter and jelly. And again, you can have it, but you can have other things added to it. And see, until you've experienced it, until you've gone outside your comfort zone, until you go places you've never been before with God, you don't know what you're missing. You will find Grace Church very uncomfortable if if you don't embrace this idea. Because I and the leadership here are constantly forming everything we do to put you in spaces to encounter God in new and different ways you would never do on your own. The last six years for me, had been a very edifying but challenging time. I've had to personally begin to find God, find God in places and practices I never thought I would have in my entire life. I've made friends with leaders and, and teachers from all different forms of Christianity that I hardly have anything in common with them. But I believe that God is at work in them somewhere, and I'm willing to find where. Where is God at work in you? And so the first thing is acknowledging it. Once you, once you see that God, there's more of God to be found than where you found him, the moment you taste that food you've never had before, you are coming back for more. But until you've tasted it, you don't understand. I try to evangelize people to new food. So every time that I have a meeting with someone, I find out where they've eaten. I find out where they've you know, had coffee. And then I try to take them to a new place, a new experience, because I want them to realize there's so much more outside. And in your walk with God, it's okay for you to say, you know what, my comfort zone is PBJ. You know, you know my comfort zone is the hymnal. My comfort zone is the charismatic service. My comfort zone is the assemblies or the Baptist church or whatever it is. You can have a comfort zone, but you have to understand this. If you want all of Christ, if you don't want to miss out, you're going to have to step out. If you don't want to miss out, you will have to step out. And so once we acknowledge that God is out at work and to be found other places, the second thing we do is we have to embrace where God is to be found. You have to be willing to go into the, the spaces and places where God is at work. I, I intentionally schedule conferences and meetings for myself every year. I bring in guest ministers to you guys every year. There is not one guest minister who I bring into this church who I agree with even a lot. Hear me. But where we agree, we strongly agree. I bring in people to bring in completely different expressions and giftings and perspectives than what I bring you. I bring them into my life because I want what they have to offer. I want that unique connection to God that I don't have. I'm going to put myself at the Thai restaurant and order something new. I might hate it, but I might love it. 
and you guys are like, we're, we're out, we're done. We're going to Western Sizzling. We're going to keep it safe, right? <laughs> you don't know what you're missing. Now, again, you might hate it, but there's something else on that menu that it could be your favorite, and you might be missing out. And so, and so when we embrace it, we are putting ourselves in spaces that we would never put ourselves in because we believe there's something of value there. I never knew what I was missing at the Lord's table. I never knew how powerful it was. I was always taught that the presence of God was found in this space where we're all kind of jointly singing or we're all praying together and, and, and God shows up. And there's power in that. But I had no idea that something as seemingly ordinary as bread and juice had just as much power as all of the sound and the beauty and the creativity and the energy that comes from corporate worship. I never knew that this was a space to connect to God in a life-changing way. I was taught it was just something we did. We don't know what we're missing out on. And so after we acknowledge, once we see that God is outside, we have to begin exploring. We have to be willing to get out there. We have to be willing to embrace it, to bring it close. And see, once we begin to bring things close, you never know what's going to happen. I, I want to kind of wrap us up with this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 21. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 21. So then, no one should brag about human beings. Everything belongs to you. Paul, Apollos, Cephas, the, wor the world, life, death, things in the present, things in the future. Everything belongs to you. But you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. That is one of the weirdest sentences I've ever read. How about you? Is that weird? See, okay, with, with scriptures, we do this. We kind of turn our brains off when we read the Bible. Yes, amen, hallelujah. Think about if I were talking to you. Hey, man, uh, so hey, if you want to get coffee or uh, eat some ice cream or hot dog or the world or life or death, I mean, put some punctuation in there, something. Like, I mean, what are you talking about? I mean, like... <laughs> You just jumped from, from, okay, do you want this guy to be your mentor or this guy to be your mentor or this woman to be your mentor or do you want the universe? Which one do you want? I didn't know universe was an option. I'll take universe. Amen. This is what he's saying. He, when there's a, word, a weird sentence, a weird word, a weird choice in the Scriptures, that's where we need to dig in. There's something hidden here, okay? And the Apostle Paul is saying this. They're fighting over who, who's going to be their mentor, because surely we can only have one. Surely God's only going to move through one way in my life. This is going to be my mentor. Paul is, or Apollos, or Cephas. And what he's saying is this. You're missing the entire point. All of this is a gift. Hey, if Jesus is at work and, and Pastor Jan in your life, receive it. If Jesus you know, is at work and Pastor Zach in your life, receive it. If Jesus is at work through your, your spouse in your life, you guys are like, ooh, slow. If you're playing with your child and all of a sudden you see God at work through your child teaching you something as you, you, know, you play you know, at the playground with your child, take it. Embrace it. If you're sitting in a restaurant having an ordinary you know, cup of coffee and that cup of coffee becomes extraordinary and you just have like a spiritual moment with your coffee, go, hey, man. Thank you, hallelujah. I mean, turn that thing. Yeah, that's my charismatic background. I apologize for that. Paul, Apollo, Cephas, the world, life, death, things in the present, things in the future. Here it is. Everything belongs to you. Meaning, because we are in Christ 
And Christ is at work in all things. The Apostle Paul does a beautiful job always explaining how God is at work, reconciling, bringing back the entire universe. He's pulling all things back to us. Everything which has been broken, he is at work pulling it back. And now because we are in Christ, we can encounter and be present with Christ anywhere, doing anything and all things. I can encounter Jesus. As long as this fits the circle of what we call orthodox, as long as this is Jesus, I can have it. And I can enjoy it. I can meet God in it. But I have to be open to it. Because see, if you notice, these, Paul is hitting the only thing which can stop you. The only thing which can limit you from encountering the depths of God is you. Well, I've got to choose Paul or Apollos, or I've got to choose Baptist or Charismatic or, or Catholic, or I have to choose, you know, like to worship with this one or worship with, i got to choose because surely God, I mean, God can only, you know, surely the God of the universe who made all things can only be found in hymnals. Surely the God who created all rhythms and stars and galaxies is only going to be found in an acoustic guitar. Surely. Do you see how stupid this is? Everyone's like, no, I thought it made quite sense, actually. We, once you're willing to embrace that God is going to be found outside, there is a brand new world that you will wake up to. Encountering God in everyday, ordinary, everywhere. God is at work. And I am now going to be encountering God in depths and in powerful ways I never could. Yes, PB&J is great. The, the songs are great, or the sermon was great, or the devotionals, whatever. Yeah, that's great. And I can keep that. But now I can keep my PBJ in my pocket, and I can go have me some Thai food. <laughs> or whatever, okay? Let's be Thai food. Would you guys stand with me this morning? <laughs> 